Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Ramon Pierre. I serve as lead pastor of Roosevelt Community Church. Uh, It's good to be with you all. I don't know if you know this, but this Sunday we are doing a pulpit swap. So your pastor, Caleb, is down at my church, uh, downtown Phoenix at Roosevelt, and I get to be here with you all. Um, Caleb and I talked about this. Thank you. Appreciate that. (laughs) Appreciate the love. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Um, Yeah, you know, Caleb and I, we talked about this last year, uh, and this came about as part of conversations we were having about how we, uh, who lead different churches all across the valley, might f- look for ways to do things together. Uh, that I think we're in a day and age where uh, I think it's important for the church to have a stronger collective witness. How might we, as independent churches, uh, sort of look for ways to express the fact that we're actually part of one big church, a uh, historic church? Uh, how might we, who have similar values and cares and concerns, and serve the same Lord, sort of begin to express that. And so one of the ideas was to do a pulpit swap like this. Uh, we, uh, starting next week, we'll be doing the same sermon series uh, at Roosevelt, as you guys will be doing here, and another church, Missio Day, will be joining us for that as well. So looking forward to that. There's some other ideas, hopefully, we can be able to do. Uh, but in all this, uh, the cool thing to, to be able to say is that I'm, I'm with family, aren't I? I mean, it's, we're part of one church. Uh, even though I'm not at my usual church, I'm still part of the church being able to be with you all. So thank you guys for, for, for being here. Thank you for listening. Pay attention. Uh, I'm excited for uh, hopefully paying attention. <laughs> we'll find out. Looking forward to, uh, to the time in the Word together. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, we'll get going. Lord, uh, thank you for this time and for Jesus and for the opportunity to be together in your word. Uh, thank you for those who are here, uh, those who are online. Um, uh, we thank you, Lord God, that uh, we just get to express, Lord, the fact that we've been made one community by you. And Lord, today we want to think about the, the significance of that, what that means for us. I pray for your blessing, Lord, on the time then as you work on our hearts, remove distractions, barriers, concerns. Um, in all this, Lord, we want to hear your word clearly. Help me to communicate it clearly. And I thank you in advance for how you'll work and bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. The Marine Corps is one of the branches of the military that has been called the tip of the spear. Um, it's a phrase to describe them as, as being, as one of their purposes, which is they are to be used to sort of be the first to break the line of defense, the enemy's first line of defense. And so uh, that purpose uh, that the Marines were often given in times of conflict to be that kind of tip of the spear, um, it's interesting to, to, to notice for them, it's tied into who they are. So for Marines, it's not just, okay, we do the kind of things the tip of a spear does, sort of break that first line of defense. Uh, we are the tip of the spear. They see themselves, their identity as that. We are a tip of the spear type of people. And that's why we can be used as a tip of the spear when there's conflict. Oh, you know, my son is in a Marine boot camp right now, and I'm struck by how in his training, um, it wasn't just he showed up and they're like, okay, here's what Marines do. The training they have is very much tied into who they're forming them to be. It's here's what we do because of who we are making you to be, who you are, right? You're trained to be a certain way so that you can um, do the things that they want you to do. It comes out of who they are, their understanding of who they are supposed to be. So today, I'm talking with you all about the purpose 
of the church or, or the mission of the church. And of course, I'm not the first person to think and talk about that. Uh, but what I want to sort of hopefully connect you, help you guys see, help you guys sort of as you think of that, that, that question, what's the purpose, what's the mission of the church? I want you to think about it in terms of who you are as a church, as Christian community. That God has formed us in a particular way so that we can then do what we're supposed to do out of how he has formed us. There's a way we should think of ourselves that then directly relates to what we are called to do as God's people, as his church. So let's, let's, let's think about that then. What, what are we then? What is the church? How should we describe the church? There's a lot of different descriptions we could use, but the one I think that's going to be helpful for us this morning, that's relevant for us this morning, is one that's been often used throughout the Bible as a description for God's people. And it's this, that we, God's people, and today God's people is the church, all of us, we are God's light. God's light within a dark world. Let's, let's see how Jesus puts it here in, in Matthew chapter 5. So this is Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, and, and Jesus says this. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So you see purpose, right, in, in this passage. This idea of the church shining the light of God in the world. But notice, we shine God's light because we are actually God's light. We are his light. And because we're his light, that's where we shine. You can't think of yourself as Christian. You can't call yourself a Christian. We can't call ourselves the church if we aren't shining. If we aren't being his light within this world. You know, so right, right from the jump here, I think you see that this sort of idea of the church speaks really strongly against a popular, let's, let's call it misconception of church, but sadly a reality for, I'm going to say it, for most Christians here in America. And it's a conception of the church, a misconception, but a reality that people have stepped into that sort of treats the church as basically a sort of consumer-oriented view of the church. The church is a commodity for me to use for my benefit. And for a lot of people... Uh, the church is, is largely something you passively attend. Uh, you're going to go someplace, some type of regular basis, semi-regular basis, and when you get there, the music better be good, uh, the preaching better be interesting, Caleb better tell some good jokes, right? You have to have comfortable seats, you better have the AC and other things working. A bonus, of course, to all this is if you get to meet people who kind of look like you and think like you and laugh at the same things that you do, people you can share memes with, you know, people who might help you move when you need help. Right? That's, that's, that's what, for many people, whether they voice it or not, is essentially what they're looking for, what they think of when they think of church. It's a commodity. It's a product. And I'm sort of, you know, I might sample the product here and there. If I'm going to go deeper into this, it, it better be useful for me. It better benefit me. It's something that should fit my needs and desires as the consumer. Hope you see that the way the Bible talks about the church, and particularly what Jesus says about his people, what he expects for his people, like that, that is nowhere near what it means to be his people. 
nowhere near what it means to be the church. I'm not, those things I talked about, I mean, they're fun, they're useful, they're enjoyable. I mean, I, I want comfortable seats. I, I'm not against those things, but that's not who we are. That's fundamentally not who we are. That is not the church. The church is not something that we use and consume for ourselves. The church is not something we use. The church is something we are. The church is something we are. And what we are is God's light. His light. Not anyone else's light. His light. And that tells us something about how we're to be in this world, doesn't it? Let's look at another reference to this idea of Christians as, as God's light. It's Ephesians 5, verse 8. For one time, Paul says, you were darkness, but now you are light. Walk as children of light. So here, what's, what's useful about this passage, it just helps us see that there's a change that's happened. We weren't always God's light. Right? Before, we were, it says darkness. This is a Bible's way of describing just how far away we, we were from God. We were in darkness. Well, no, we were darkness. Right? That's how strong it is. We were darkness. Far away from God. Sinking further and deeper into eternal darkness. And then God did something. John 1 tells us that God sent Jesus the true light. And Jesus shines into our darkness and we find our way back out. We find our way out of that darkness in and through Jesus. And the Bible says something more. We come now into Jesus. We come into the light of God such that we are now light. We are now his light, right? So in that description, what we're talking about is not just a change of location. When you became a Christian, when you became part of this thing called the church, it's not like you just moved across town. It's not, like you, it's not like signing up for a magazine subscription. <laughs> There's a fundamental change that's happened in you. You are someone entirely different. You were darkness. Now you're light. Not just any light. Eternal light. Heavenly light. God's light. You are now light in the Lord. You know, in Marine boot camp... Again, one of the things that I found interesting, I'm learning a lot more about this with a, a son who's, who's in boot camp, uh, in Marine boot camp um, right now, is uh, you know, he is not allowed to refer to himself as a Marine while he's in boot camp. He's a, he's a recruit, right? He's supposed to think of himself as a recruit. Uh, he can't let people refer to him as anything else but recruit. Uh, but over the course of those many weeks of boot camp and then through the final test called a crucible, there's really a hard sort of multiple days of, of no sleep and marching and simulated battle conditions, all these different things. They, they finally hike up this huge mountain, and at the top, they receive the pin, right? The marine pin, the eagle, the globe, the anchor. Once that's pinned to them, and they've made it all the way through, now they are marines. And, and that's done intentionally. They were something else before. They were civilian recruits. But from that point on, after having gone through, been brought through all that, from that point on, did they think and act as Marines? Only then can they even refer to themselves as Marines. You know, for us as the church, we should understand there's something we once were. Darkness, far away from God. It's what we once were. The Bible wants us to see you are now something different. You are someone different. You are light in the Lord. Fundamentally, that's who you are. And so that changes everything about what you think and what you act and what you do. See, this, I think we can kind of pivot now to then thinking about that question. What's our purpose? What should we be doing? What's our mission as a church? Right? And that's, that's language you hear. What's our mission? What's our purpose? 
Well, one, I think, very powerful way of expressing it here is our purpose is to be as we've been made to be. Light. God's light. To be children of light. Right? Well, I should say this. We are light in the world, so then we are now to walk as children of light. We are to live in accordance with who we are. Back in Matthew 5, remember what Jesus says. Because we are light, we are to, it says, give light to all in the house. We, our light is to shine, it says, Jesus says, before others. We are light. What is light supposed to do? It's supposed to shine. And to shine in the places that need the shining, that need the light, the distinct light of God. So let's think a little bit about that. What, what ways might we distinctly shine as God's light? These, this, I'm not going to list every single way. There's a lot of different ways, but I think there's some ways that are immediately suggestive, immediately helpful, especially in this particular time, and particularly type of darkness our world is in today. Some, some ways that I think are actually very much connected, again, to thinking through, here's what we are, so let's shine this out more within the world. I'm going to draw these sort of three ways I think we can distinctively shine as God's light from 1 Peter 2. This is 1 Peter 2, verses 9 to 10. Here's what the Apostle Peter writes. That you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but oh, now you have received mercy. So we're saying similar language here. I think I always like to notice when the Bible repeats certain imagery. Like it's like, pay attention to this, right? So here's important imagery. You are darkness, but now you've been called into the marvelous light of God. And, and now we're seeing purpose in that. Now that we are in the light of God, now that we are actually are the light of God, we are, it says there, to proclaim the excellencies of this God who brought us into his light. So here's what we're to do. Proclaim his excellencies, right? So what does that mean? What, what excellencies are we talking about? What excellencies are we proclaiming? Or sh- should we say this? What excellencies should we especially shine in this world? Well, it's all his excellencies, all the excellent things about who God is and what he does. But let me suggest this. Uh, how about especially proclaiming, uh, especially shining the most excellent of God's excellencies? And what's the most excellent of God's excellencies? Well, it's that God actually took people who were darkness and made them light. The salvation message, what God has done, what he has made us and who we now are is the very starting point of the kind of things we should be shining in this world. So what has God done? How has he made us his light? What, 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 what is part of how, how, how should we describe the brightness of who we are, the shiniest aspects of us now as God's light? This passage tells us at least three of them, doesn't it? The very beginning, right? We were out of darkness, now we're in his light. And what does that mean? The beginning of, the, of, of that passage, it says, it means this. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We belong to him, and we belong to him, and now shine for him, at least in these three ways, three aspects of who we are. And so I want to suggest, here are three things that we should be especially proclaiming in this world. Three aspects of us as God's light that we should make sure are especially bright as we're out and engaged in this world. The first one, that we are a chosen race. This idea of a chosen race is the sense that we are like a new class of human being. 
right? A totally new people. That when God called us out of darkness, brought us into his light, he, he crafted us into this new human species called Christian, a new human community or a human race called the church. When we think of the gospel story, we often tell it as, okay, God's saving us from our sins. That is true, but that's not the whole story. He saved us from our sins and then made us into something entirely different, a new humanity, right? We've been remade into essentially a new race of people, God's people, God's chosen race. You know, think about this next time, maybe even now or next time you're gathered with other Christians in any type of gathering, maybe a worship gathering, anything like that, um, what you'll realize if you think about it is that in that gathering of people, especially if it's a new gathering of, of people, maybe it's Christians you've not met yet, begin to realize there's people there who are very different than you. Like really different. But if you dug underneath it, you begin to realize, well, they, they, they think about different things. They might speak a little bit differently. They tell different jokes. Uh, they, they have different sports allegiances. It gets worse. They, they might have social and political issues. They social and political issues they emphasize more than you. Uh, they, they care about different things. They, they binge watch different things on Netflix. They have different hobbies. Uh, they prefer different cars. There's all sorts of differences in any typical Christian community. We bring all these different people together and all these differences and all these different preferences. If we're really just looking at that, what we begin to think is, well, there's really no good reason to explain why we should be in the same room together, much less interact with one another. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. Except for, for this. We are now light in the Lord. Because you're light in the Lord, it means you are part of being his light is meaning that you are now a chosen race. You've been made into something entirely different. That you are now part of a collection of people who can relate to one another at the deepest level. The differences that you have, rather than being these jagged edges that you sort of cut each other with, God has sort of rounded them off and made you now a puzzle piece that can't help but fit with other people together. To fit people together in a way that will last forever. Do you realize you're part of a community, a new humanity that will exist forever and ever and ever? I mean, you've thought about that fact. Every human relationship, every human connection that we have will eventually fade away. It'll eventually go away. All national allegiances will eventually fall away. All sports allegiances will fall away. Uh, even our marriage relationships, even those will eventually come to an end and in its place will be a community of relationships that doesn't ignore all those past associations or all the cultures we're part of or the communities we're part of, the marriages, all of that. God's going to take the very best of that. It's not saying that doesn't matter. He's taking the best of it and making it and forging it into something, a community, a chosen race that is the very best expression of humanity and will only get better and better and better for generation to generation forever and ever and ever. Amen. And guess what? We, the local church, are an early foretaste of that. An early installment of that. That is not something that God is saying, hey, hang on for, until that happens, right? God is saying, you now are that, and I'm just working to make it better. I'm working to make it so that once you get here in heaven with me, 
you can know for sure it's going to last forever. This is who we are. God's light, and we shine as God's light when we especially express the fact that we are this new humanity, his chosen race, a people who brought together across every type of division in this world, brought together and able to stay together. So practically speaking, I think we express, we shine out the fact that we're God's chosen race in, in this kind of relationships that we form. Imagine people being brought into a kind of human experience among us where they see us forming friendships that no one else would form. Forming friendships and relationships, like intimate, close friendships with people that the world would say, that is impossible. You guys are enemies. Being a chosen race means I think we shine, especially in being a type of humanity that notices the people most people would not notice. And every human race on this planet, and every human culture on this planet, there's always sort of people on the outside. There's always people not at the center. There's always majorities and minorities. Here, as God's people, as his chosen race, we express something different. We're always bringing people to the center. We're always bringing people together and connecting them together. Imagine how bright a light that would especially shine right now. All it takes is us being his church in this way. Not in the consumer way, but in the way that says, here's who we are, his light, and we want to shine his, this particular, here's a particular beam of light we want to have shine in this world. I want to, we want to show this world what it looks like to be a new people brought together, able to be held together, no matter our differences in Christ. Let's look at the second one. We are a holy nation, right? That we are God's light, and we are God's light in the ways we express ourselves to be his holy nation. That word holy describes this sort of unique distinctiveness of us as Christians. The Bible uses that word holy, uh, as in a, that the word holy means sort of this idea of being set apart. So we're distinct from those around us. To be a Christian means you're especially set apart and to live in a way that's set apart from the dominant culture. We, just, we don't just sort of fit into everything around us. We, we, we're holy, we're set apart, we're distinct. So as a holy nation, I mean, that puts it even stronger, doesn't it? That means us as a people, we see ourselves as a nation of people that are distinct, set apart among the nations of this world. We are our own nation as the church. That your church and my church, we're meant to be set apart with a culture that it resonates with the cultures around us, right? There's the similarities, but those similarities express themselves so differently in the things that we do and the values that we have. They're distinct because we're so full of God and his spirit, we stand apart. It's the idea of, as often said, we're in the world, but not of the world. So it's why I think it's especially troubling for us when this does not happen, when we, the, the nation, this holy nation, aren't really being a holy nation. We're just like all the other nations and how they operate. Uh, some of the recent sort of things that have happened in the sort of rise of, of what's uh, so-called sort of Christian nationalism in our country, it, it should be troubling for us it's troubling to the degree in which it really shows us to be just like everyone else. Like all the other nations of this world and throughout history, people align themselves with certain national parties and causes. People become obsessed with certain political outcomes. We're God's light. We are set apart from everything else. We are his holy nations, citizens of that nation. That means we uh, temporarily align with different nations and causes. 
We temporarily partner with different nations and causes, but we do so out of this ultimate understanding. We are God's light and his holy nation. That is ultimately what we care about. That is ultimately what we pursue. That is ultimately what we are about. That is what we want to shine in this world. So as God's people, holy set apart, we want to stand out in the things we value and care about and push. So think about this. Think about how most of the nations of this world tend to think first of themselves. Most nations' policies are first oriented towards care of its own. I'm not against that. I understand that. But God's holy nation is different. We show ourselves to be set apart by being known more by our generosity than anything else. How we care and give of ourselves, even sacrificially. Imagine God's holy nation being set apart by the things that we value, our ethics, compared to the nations of the world. That we show ourselves to be holy by caring about life in a way that many nations in this world don't care about human life. We show ourselves to be God's holy nations by by having a different set of sexual ethics even. Sexual ethics that maybe don't orient it most towards ourselves, but towards the benefit of others. That honor God with our sexual ethics, with our sexuality. Imagine being a holy nation that is not motivated by many other nations by revenge, right? You do this to us, we will get you back. A holy nation, a nation that's set apart from the nations of this world, instead is motivated by forgiveness and redemption. Imagine a nation of people that has a different set of values than the other nations around us. That would shine bright. That's a purpose for us, isn't it? Let's be a light in this particular way, God's holy nation. Last one, royal priesthood. In the Old Testament, um, the priest had direct access to God. And one of the primary sort of purposes for that was that the, the priest would then represent God to the Israelite nation. Right? And really to the world, but to the Israelite nation, they're representing God and the things, sort of God's agenda to the people. Uh, if you're a Christian, here's the, the amazing thing. Like, we have direct access to God, don't we? Because we are now in him. We're in his light. We're in Christ. And that means we are able to represent God and Jesus and his kingdom everywhere we're at. So imagine as we think of ourselves in this way, as his royal priesthood, it's meaning that we have a responsibility and ability to especially represent him, to represent his kingdom, to to be able to move into the spaces where people are at and engage with where people are at and to be able to engage with them and and be involved with them in a way that, and, and bring language and meaning that ultimately helps people see Jesus clearer, help us see understand God more clearly. It's like people are living in a fog. They're living in darkness. (laughs) To be his royal priesthood is to sort of be able to clear the fog away and show a reality that they never knew was there and that we are especially positioned to do that. How might we actively shine in this way? Represent God, provide access to God. Well, I think it especially looks like moving into some of the things that people care about and moving them in a way that begins to help them see how God helps them in those areas they care about. Our church, for example, not just our church, but other churches as well. We've been involved for many years in foster care and adoption. Uh, Arizona is one of the worst states in the country when it comes to that issue. Tons of kids in the foster care system. And so early on, our church and many other churches in Arizona have been involved in uh, helping families stay together. That's the first and most important aspect of, of this ministry. Um, 
it's fought, when you're doing foster care, you're wanting to do foster care so that families can heal and be brought back together. And some of those sad cases where they're not able to be brought back together, we adopt kids. And we have a number of families that have adopted kids out of the foster care system into their family. What we're doing there is representing God in this area. We're representing God because what we do is, here's a problem, a dark problem in our state. As God's royal priesthood, we're moving in and, and, and representing what God cares about. He cares about children. He cares about broken families. And we're able to provide language, the language of reconciliation, the language of redemption, the language of adoption. And in that, it's like we're clearing away. Here's a different kingdom. Here's a different kingdom that we can speak to. And through that, through moving into those spaces, we've seen many people begin to find God in his kingdom. They're being brought into the light, aren't they? Now, last year, there were a number of different protests and our church uh, and others as well uh, were involved in organizing prayer rallies in the midst of these protests. Um, here's a protest where people are looking at all these different types of injustices in our country. All they're seeing is darkness. And, and sometimes, sadly, the, the, they don't, the answer is what we call dark answers <laughs> and the, to, to trying to figure out how to deal with some of these injustices. What better place for us as Christians to be than in the midst of those places? and begin to show a different reality. A reality that doesn't ignore the injustices, but sheds the light of God in the midst of the, by how we pray, and by the things that we talk about. It's almost like giving language and meaning in areas where people are desperate. Make, help me make sense of this. Help me understand why this happens, why this keeps happening to my people, why these things keep happening. I'm angry and I'm upset. What do I do with it? Well, we who are light in God say, look, we understand, we know what it is to be there. Here's another way. Here's a way that meets injustice and leads eventually to redemption and healing. We who are God's royal priesthood are uniquely able to do that. That's the light that would especially shine as we continue to struggle with so many of these types of issues. See, when the church is really shining, when we're shining as chosen race, holy, old, uh, holy nation, royal priesthood, and many more beside, but I'm picking these three, um, what you, I think, hope you see is that we're talking about way more than Sunday morning. I mean, this is important, right? Thank you all for coming. Appreciate it. This is important, right? But this is just a launching pad, isn't it? It's a launching pad for us to be his light in all sorts of places, in every place. Right? This is, this is like a, a light store, right? And I appreciate light stores, but lights are meant to shine in the darkness. It's who we are, right? And so this becomes more about us being what God has called us to be in every place possible. It means then, too, we have the opportunity to make a difference in even the most mundane and common places. There's not even, it's, it's these things that we're doing, and, and there's some big initiatives, like I mentioned, churches are involved with, foster care and adoption, uh, the rallies, and all these different things, and yet we can be God's light, God's light in, 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 the, in the times when you're just cooking a meal for your family, in distinct ways in which we show the light of God in those spaces. To be God's light when we're volunteering at charities, when we're writing term papers, when we are serving a client, when you're reporting to your boss, when you're sitting next to your classmates, when you're playing with your kids, when you're competing in a sports event. In all of those spaces, and in every space, because of who we are, 
we have the ability to shine and to shine with a glow that is supernatural and divine and heavenly and beautiful to show a reality that people don't even think exists and yet it exists among us because we've been brought into it. To shine in the things we talk about and the things that we care about and the things that we speak up for in the ways that we are different in how we relate to one another. In all these ways, to show something different and better and eternal, to show ourselves to be God's light so that other people might find light themselves. You know, people are lost in darkness. They're looking for light. Jesus is that light. And in him, we've become his light. And so we need to shine. We need to shine like never before. And thank God the promise of the Bible is light always wins over darkness. You don't have to be scared of the dark. Darkness has never won a battle against light. Never has and never will. So all we have to do is be there, show up, but then shine. Shine with his light. Let's pray that God would help us to do so. Lord, um, I thank you for how you have empowered us uh, and how you have enabled us, Lord, to be able to be your light. Thank you for calling us out of darkness and drawing us to yourself. I pray for those, Lord God, who, um, who still find themselves in darkness. I pray, Lord, you would bring to mind the verse that someone shared with them, the conversation they had, the person they just spoke to who began to speak of this different reality, who didn't just speak about it, but also embodied it. I pray, Lord God, for anyone, Lord, who's experienced this, they begin to believe it and see it. it's true. There is light in this world. And Lord, I pray for us, Lord, who've been brought into your light, who are your light, Lord, help us to be what we already are. We ask your forgiveness, Lord God, for hiding the light so often. Hiding it by like acting like everyone else, by having nothing be distinct about us, for having relationships that look like just everyone else, for not looking to represent you in this world. Lord, forgive us and remind us of what we've been made to be and help us to embrace it. Help us to see that as who we are more than anything else. And I trust and pray, Lord God, that the result, Lord God, would be um, a beautiful sight. Places in this valley and beyond that seem trapped in darkness but now flooded with the light of God and the light of Jesus coming from us. Move us into those spaces, and Lord, help us to shine brighter than ever before. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.